Lent, a season of reflection, re-evaluation, new beginnings, a time to recognize God's grace in our lives, to find ways to let that realization sink in and take root, drawing closer to God as we are changed by His love. In this season, we should give, give of ourselves, our time, money, possessions, Giving helps us to see better the needs of those around us. It brings to light those things that may have too high a priority in our lives. It helps us to separate what we need from what we want, stripping away the things that keep us separated from one another and God. We should fast. It helps us to be reminded of the need for God to fill us, whether food or social media, your phone or computer. Fasting allows us to physically feel the ongoing spiritual needs of the soul. It helps us to see the truth that only God can truly satisfy. We should pray. It slows us down, focuses us on God. It enables us to be pulled away from our grip on the world and everything we think it can give us and moves us closer to seeing God in the midst of it all. God is inviting us into this holy season, wanting us to be free from all the obstacles that keep us from His fullness. May we allow ourselves to be stripped down and cleansed so that we may come to understand more powerfully the love of God and be made new in His righteousness and alive in His grace. Right. Well, officially, good afternoon now. Again, we're glad uh, that you're here. Again, thank you for taking this time uh, out of your busy day. Uh, this is a very important time, and I couldn't think of a more important place than we could be than in God's house. As we begin this journey of Lent together, some of you may worship at different campuses, and you're going to hear different perspectives. We want to make sure that we keep things really clear that we keep things very simple from the start and what this day is about. So often when it comes to traditions in the church, we just kind of jump right into it. And we say, well, everybody else is doing it. Maybe I should. And last year on a Wednesday in February or March or whenever it was, you saw a bunch of your coworkers probably walking around with crosses on their forehead. And you were like, well, did the rapture happen? Did I miss something? You know, if you didn't grow up in the church, this is kind of a weird thing. Christians can be a little weird sometimes. And we have these traditions that unless you understand the backstory, they don't make sense. The number 40 is a very, very important number in Scripture. Uh, 40 days and 40 nights, Noah and the flood. 40 days, Jesus was uh, in the wilderness, tempted by Satan. And it's from those stories that we get this idea of Lent, that the early, the early church began and kind of has now continued through the centuries. As Jesus was tempted in the desert, uh, the, he needed to deny himself. He needed to, to stick with God in those moments of temptation and essentially say no to things so that he could say yes to God to say no to things of the world so that he could say yes to God. It's these 40 days leading up to Easter. And so it's important that we remember what this season is all about, that it's a little bit more uh, than for some of you today, which may be your first day without chocolate or your first day without caffeine or Facebook, or if you're like me, every year around Lent during this time, or about three-fourths of the way through the college basketball season, every year for Lent, I just give up on the Hawkeyes. That's what I do. That's been my, <laughs> that's been my tradition. But not this year, folks. Not this year. Uh, yeah, that might get the biggest applause of the day right there, right? 
I usually give up on them, but not, not this year. But in all seriousness, this certainly is a part of the Lenten season, this pro- process of self-denial, or a, the fancy biblical word for that is fasting. A lot of times we think it's this big convoluted thing when really fasting is simply saying no to something so you can say yes to God. And whatever that is for you, we'll get into that later, that's great, that's awesome, but I don't want you to miss the heart of what this day and really what this next season of Lent is really all about. Lent comes from the word uh, which literally means spring or springtime. And I know that today, our thought is not on springtime. We still feel so far away from Easter, even though it's in six weeks. It's in 40 days, believe it or not. But Lent literally means springtime. And I don't know about you, but when I hear spring, I think spring cleaning. Does anybody else think that? Or you don't even want to go there today, right? We hibernate sometimes in the winter, and we end up, our houses get packed full of things. And there's this idea that every year in spring, around Lent time, around college basketball, March Madness season is when our houses are filthy and they need some cleaning. And so I want to begin with a question around that, even though it's hard to think about spring today, but hopefully the weather will get nicer. As you think not just about cleaning your physical house, your worldly house, how clean is your spiritual house? How clean are the different, if your heart was a house, like laid out on this stage, which we kind of have here today, if, if the different rooms and places of your heart where God has access to, or maybe you haven't invited him into, were a house, what would that look like? So today we've got our kitchen over here as you kind of enter in the room and you wander through to the lovely laundry pile, and then eventually you make your way over to the bedroom. And there's different rooms that we have in our hearts, just as there's different rooms we have in our homes. And for some of you, when I say spring cleaning, you're thinking of no, because my laundry pile is starting to resemble Mount Everest, and the kids are a disaster, and the pile of dishes that's piling up in the sink, and you don't even want to think about that. But just go a little deeper. I'm not here to freak you out about that. How clean is your spiritual house? And if we went into those rooms of your heart, would you be okay with what's there? What might we Find Or would there be some things in your spiritual house, in your heart, that need some dusting, that need some decluttering? Or maybe are there some things that you have been trying to get clean for a long time that need a deep cleaning? Maybe some areas and some rooms that you would prefer that God just rather not see. I've got some good news and some bad news. The bad news is he already sees them. And the good news is there's forgiveness and grace right where you fell, wherever the stains are that you can't get out. In other words, God is inviting us to think about all the rooms in our house, not just the exterior and the trim. And as Christians, we're really good at that. We're really good at focusing on, look at how nice my house looks like on the outside. And for a lot of us, that means kind of putting on that Christian mask. Or how's it going? Everything's really great. How's the family? How's the kids? How's work? Awesome. Why? Because I go to church and it has to be great. Well, what if it's not? That's the exterior and the trim. If we went into your heart, what would we find in those rooms? Scripture puts it this way in 1 Samuel chapter 16, just straightforward. Let's read this together up on the screen. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God is probably more concerned about the cleanliness of your heart than those piles of laundry that may be piling up at home. 
Because we're not talking about dust and dishes today. We're talking about our sin. We're talking about our guilt. We're talking about our shame. We're talking about our pride. And when it comes to those things, being completely honest and being completely vulnerable, which is the point of Ash Wednesday, is a very scary thing for some of us. Some of us really, really don't want to go to some of those places because the last thing that we want to admit as put-together strong adults is that we need help with anything. We're supposed to be strong. We're supposed to be put together. We're supposed to have it all together. The last thing that we want to admit is that we're guilty. But if you think about it, trying to hide our sin from the God who made us, from the God who sees everything, even though the the things you do in secret you think nobody knows, he knows. And that's what this day is about. We don't want to go there. We don't want to admit it. Saying that we have no sin, saying that there's not areas and rooms of our heart that need cleaning up, well, it's kind of like this guy from the most random place for an Ash Wednesday sermon illustration, a Doritos commercial. But watch and see what this says to you. Let's take a look. Yeah, and we laugh and we giggle, and, but that's us when you think about it sometimes. It's all over us. It is so evident that we are not perfect, and yet how often do we try to be that guy? Everything's okay. There's nothing wrong, and it's falling out of us. It's falling out of our pockets. We're covered with it. And as silly as that is, that's how some of us will live our lives, particularly on the inside. I was reading something online the other day, and an author was posing this question to some young students to gauge their spiritual maturity to see if they've gotten to that place of brokenness and humility. And he asked a simple question. How often do any one of these four phrases come out of your mouth with the people around you or most importantly to God? I'm sorry. I was wrong. I don't know. I need I don't know about you, but it is so hard to say those things sometimes. But they might reveal the real condition of our hearts. Taking it a step deeper, Scripture puts it this way in 1 John chapter 1. It just straight out says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We are the Doritos guy if we say we have no sin. If we're convinced, you know... A lot of us would say here today, it's not that I'm saying I don't have sin, it's just that I'm really not that bad. I mean, am I that bad that I have to have a cross on my forehead and kind of be embarrassed by it all day? I mean, is that how bad? I mean, I'm not, I don't do things that they do. I'm not as bad as the people you see on the news. I haven't, I'm not that bad. We try harder and harder to be better. Any of those things that we do, Scripture says we are lying to ourselves. We deceive ourselves. Ourselves, But the message of Ash Wednesday is simply this. And if you hear me say nothing else today, take this home with you. Take this back to work with you. Although we are great sinners, we have a great Savior. Amen? Although we are great sinners, we have a great Savior. And because of that, healing, or excuse me, that, that coming clean... And being vulnerable and being open and being honest can actually end up being a very healing thing. And nobody knows that better than David. 
So often this time of year we go to Psalm 51 because it speaks so directly to what this day is all about. If you have your Bibles, you're more than welcome to turn there. We're going to camp out there for a little bit. But Psalm 51 is, you know, a psalm that is written by David after his adultery with Bathsheba. He commits these terrible sins and he cries out to God. Psalm 51, have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Now, you might kind of be thinking, like, wait a minute, David, isn't like David and Goliath and like the Bible hero that was on the flannel graph in Sunday school and like David, the great king of Israel? And like, what's that all about? Well, same David saying, I'm laying open all the rooms of my house, and here I am. (laughs) I've reached the point where there's nothing else to hide. I need you. And when David finally slowed down to look inside the different rooms of his house, he realized he needed repentance. But I wonder, it's not just about David, what might we find as we go through the different rooms in your house? If Jesus wanted to make himself comfortable in your life, how would, he, how would he feel in the, the different rooms and, and what might he find? You know, in a, a lot of houses, it starts with coming into the kitchen. And yet, in a similar way, the kitchen is a pretty safe place. When people come in to our house, we're fine if they come in the entryway. We're fine if they come in the kitchen. Just don't, just don't go in the living room because that's where the dust is. You can't go into my bedroom. That's, those are private places. And so we're fine with people coming in there. But when it comes to Jesus, the danger with that is that so often we'll keep them at an arm's length. We'll say, Jesus, you can come in and look around and we can have a meal together and sit down and talk a little bit. But not those other rooms. Not my marriage. Not my finances. Not the mistakes I made in college. We'll just keep those doors shut. Not the guilt and the shame that I feel so often that I'm not a good enough mom. That I'm not a good enough husband. Whatever it is. I feel like I'm letting my boss down constantly. All those rooms that we'd rather not give him access to. And so we keep him at an arm's distance. We say, no, 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 let's not go there. But the thing is that we do the kitchen thing with Lent as well. Like I said, so many of you will be probably giving things up for Lent, whether it's Facebook or chocolate or Doritos or Mountain Dew or coffee or whatever it is. My question is not, what are you giving up for Lent? Maybe the better question is, what is standing in the way between you and a deeper relationship with God? And whatever you need to do to get to that place, do that. It's not what should I give up for Lent. Is that how, it, The question is, how do you desire your life to look different 40 days from now than it does right now here today? And in that sense, yes, Lent is very important and we should set aside these times of the year. But why would we not do that throughout the year? What Jesus is getting at here is, I don't want to just stay in the kitchen of your heart. I want to move into all the other rooms. I want you I want you. I don't even just want your church attendance or your small group attendance. I want you. I want all of you. It's like God says, really, I didn't ask you to give up coffee. I asked you to surrender your life. 
if you really want to get down to the heart of it. I'm sure God's up there today saying, I know you love that hazelnut creamer. It's going to be so hard. But ultimately, does your heart belong to him? Are you all in with him? And the thing is that so often what we do is that we take something out of our lives during Lent, but we don't replace it. And that's why we end up falling back into those same habits again and again and again. But here's the thing. Removing a weed without planting something in its place just means that at some point the weed's going to come back. If it's going to be healthy, let's replace it with something different. Let's not spend Lent navel-gazing and worrying about how good of a Christian we are, which that question doesn't even make sense. You're either a, a sinner that's been saved by grace or you're not. There's no such thing as a good or a bad Christian, which means you can't fail during Lent. You already have and he's already forgiven you. So the question there is maybe not so much, what am I going to give up for Lent, but what am I putting in its place? If I take this out, what am I putting into it? Maybe we stop looking at ourselves and start looking at him, and we start looking out to the world around us, which is the idea behind this Lenten project. Maybe, maybe it's, it's looking and saying, man, there's kids that need mentors. There's kids that need men and women role models in their life. There's kids out there at Freedom for Youth. There's kids in here that we're serving within these walls. What is God calling you to put in the place of whatever you are taking out? So don't stop at the kitchen this Lent. Let them all the way in, even in those rooms that you would just die if somebody found out, like, I don't know, your laundry room. Is that where you invite guests? No. But I brought some of our laundry from the Annenson house here today. And some of you are like, well, that's weird. It really doesn't smell that bad. It's only been in a pile for about a month. Um, it got so bad one time that Tiffany and I were just laughing about it. I mean, the, the pile was getting so high that we just thought, you know, we should just have a competition to see how high we can make it before it falls over or we run out of things to wear, one of the two, you know. But so often, it's not just the kitchen. We can keep that pretty clean maybe, but it's the clutter. And maybe for you, it's not like physical clutter in your house, but there is clutter in your life that needs to get removed this Lent. So often we think it's clutter we can see, but what if it's clutter you can't see, like noise? Like noise. Do you shut the radio off in your car? Is the TV constantly on? The noise and the clutter of your schedule? Are you shuttling your kids around everywhere, chock-fulling their schedule with everything? What if you slowed down? What if you took some time to listen? And again, don't just take away the noise. You're going to fill it with something. Be intentional about listening for God's voice this Lent. That still, small voice. Maybe the reason we have such a hard time hearing God is because of the amount of noise and clutter in our lives. Yeah, does God care about your laundry? Probably. <laughs> a little bit. But I think he more cares about the clutter of your heart. And I don't know about you, but in terms of going into these different rooms, there was one room that's like off limits. Particularly when, it, when we were young, there's one room that if you were in trouble or something happened, where would you go? You would run to your bedroom. Like it was your one safe place. Like that's where you would go if you felt really guilty or ashamed. Brought with our two and a half year old son, Caleb's blanket and one of his trucks. We were, just this last week, we were playing in the living room and 
he was being his normal rambunctious self and throwing things around. And this all happened just after we got done with lunch, which meant macaroni and cheese had been thrown on the wall and chocolate milk had been dumped on our new rug. Welcome to parenthood. So there we are, and he's playing in the living room, and he's swinging this truck around, and we can tell he is going to let go of it at some point. And he does, and he's swinging it around, he lets go of it, and it flies over towards his baby sister, Evie, and knocks her in the side of the head. So we have a screaming baby, and it's at that moment that you could tell even at two and a half, he gets it busted. And he goes over and he picks it up and he holds it and he kind of looks at us with that sheepish look. You ever been in that place where you just know you're busted? You know, for him it was the monster truck, but what is it for you? What is that thing in your life that you just don't think he could handle? The sin, the guilt, the fear the shame, the anxiety, whatever it is. And so often when those things happen, we run to our room. We run and hide, even as adults. So up Caleb runs up the stairs to his room because he sees how mad we are. He runs up to his room, dives in his bed, and hides underneath the covers. And what probably seemed like an eternity, we give him a little bit of time, and I go up there, and he is buried underneath the covers. So I go up, it's dad, and I kind of pull back the covers a little bit, and he is just drenched in sweat. I mean, he is like wet. I'm like, poor guy, he's been in there, you know, probably for two minutes, but it seemed like an eternity for him. And it's in that moment that Caleb has two choices. He can stay under the covers and hide and never know the love of his father in that way. Or he can let me peel back the covers. And so I pull back the covers, and he turns over, with tears in his eyes unprompted says I'm I'm sorry for the mac and cheese I'm sorry for the chocolate milk I'm sorry about the monster truck of course in that moment I don't know whether to laugh or cry I'm kind of trying to hold it back and so I grab my son and I wrap him up in my arms and in that moment it was like that is Ash Wednesday He is totally guilty, and he is totally loved. He is totally guilty, and he is totally loved at the same time. Martin Luther said it like this, simul justus el peticur in Latin, simultaneously saint and sinner. My son, in his guilt and in his shame, now in his confession and in my forgiveness as I wrap him up and I kiss him all over and I say, I love you, I love you, I love you. Completely, completely guilty and yet completely loved all at the same time. And that is what Ash Wednesday is about. We can stop hiding, we can stop pretending, we can stop making excuses, and we can come clean. Ash Wednesday says your sin is real, but so is our Savior. Your death that we heard about in, the, in, in Genesis is so real. To dust, from dust you have come, and to dust you will return. Our death is real, but so is his life. And that's why in a few minutes we're going to invite you forward, and you're going to have the sign of the cross placed on your forehead as you hear those words from Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. From dust you have come, and to dust you will return. You are totally guilty, 
and you are totally loved. You are totally forgiven. And so my challenge to you, it's not weird, it's not boastful, it's not anything. Wear that cross today with a sense of humble hope that you are totally guilty and you are totally loved and redeemed and forgiven by the God that created you. That is the message of this day. So we have that cross to receive and as we prepare our hearts for Holy Communion, I want to invite you to just take some time to reflect, to be still before the God that created you and ask, what are those rooms of my heart that need some deep cleaning this Lent? Let's stand together. And I'll invite the band back up and as we prepare our hearts for Holy Communion, let's just take a few moments to be still. As scripture says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we bring those things, anything that has been hiding in the rooms of our hearts, we bring those things before him now.